So uh, welcome everyone to the October 11th, 2018 meeting of the Science Fiction Club, our first meeting under the new Zoom platform. So uh, we bring our books and whoever wants to go first, we can, we usually just, you know, go around and uh, talk about it. And then if we want to discuss the books, we, we do that. We don't have to push to talk anymore. So if people want to just um, figure out who wants to go first, uh, it's up to them. It doesn't matter to me as long as we all get a chance. Good thing is that we, since we have I'd like to go first because I haven't read a book anyway, but I do oh. have kind of an announcement. Right all right, Roger or um, Scott Marshall. Gee, I'll get it right. Well, one more, one or two more tries, and you might get it right. I might. <laughs> um, there is supposedly the last of the Honor Harrington books has just been released on Audible, and is available. It's called Uncompromising Honor, and it's about thirty hours long. Oh, yeah, that's about par for the course, though I think, and then. Well, her books started getting longer and longer. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping it will close out a couple of things because I was kind of unsatisfied with the last book mm -hmm. that they had. They didn't seem to close anything out, but this is supposed to end it, end this honor series. Well, Anne's not here either, as a matter of fact. She likes those books, too. Well, she's got cancer, too. She oh, may be a little true. tired. She did, she did mention that. Oh, yeah, she might be under the weather, too. Well, we will... Now, that, you mean it's coming out in print or on BARD? Or is it out in print already? Or is it's it not on BARD. It's out in print and on Audible. Mm -hmm. I figure it'll take six months for BARD to get it. Is it on Bookshare, do you know? I don't know. Mm, okay. What's the price in Audible, do you know? I don't remember. It's one credit... I think it's somewhere between twenty-five and thirty dollars. Pretty standard. Yeah. Well, yeah, at thirty hours, that's a buck an hour. <laughs> so that's not too bad, I guess. <laughs> well, I just hope it's worth paying for. Um, How do you know it's the last one? Did he say somewhere? Because when Bain, I'm on the Bain mailing list, uh -huh. and they said it was the last Honor Harrington book. Oh, okay. All right. Unless he changes his mind. Right, and gets a nice fat contract. A new one. <laughs> well, he, he's going to have to come up with some other threat. Oh. Because this is supposed to... Mm. This should take care of the Solarian League. Oh. Well, maybe he'll go up and work or something. How many books are in this series? Say again? I'm curious, how many books are in that series? Fourteen. Oh, my God. That's and then there are a couple that aren't officially in the series but are kind of offshoots. Um, Do you have there's a Manta Manticore Ascending series, which is still in process of being produced. Yeah, and reviewed one of those in August. Yeah. Are these things you have to read in order? Because I've noticed, for instance, Lois McMaster, Bujold's Miles for Cossack, and you well, read them in order, but you don't have to. I would the Honor Harrington okay. series. Okay. Because it follows her as she gets promoted and oh. into political positions. Uh, 
the Manticore ascending. I don't know that I'd start until he finishes the series because it's already a trilogy and I think there's at least one more. And then there's some other ones that in the same universe that I don't know where they fit. Mm. Yeah, 14. That's just the exact same number that's in uh, the Wheel of Time series. And, and they were about yes, as long. But none, of, none of them are 600 pages long. <laughs> yeah. I've just... Uh... Anyhow, well, uh, I know there are a lot of fans, so there'll be people who will be... Uh, well, maybe sad to hear that. Some might be happy, but some might be sad to hear it. Um, I don't know how many people listen to these recordings, but I got a number once that sounded like a really huge number, and I'm not sure I remember it correctly, but I think a lot of people download these. So people will pay attention. All right, I guess I can start off. Uh, okay. One of the things I was going to say, the good thing about this is we can... Actually, we could interact as, you know, we're talking about the book. Yeah, it's already feeling a little better, you know, than it was with the interaction, right. a little the less. Book, the book that I read a couple months or three months ago was called Forsaken Skies. And let me see the, the, the author, D. Nolan. Let me see what it says here. Forsaken Skies, The Silence, Book One, by D. Nolan Clark. Okay, it's by D. Nolan Clark. Mm -hmm. Has anyone read it, or does anyone know anything about it? Nope. No. It sounds like it's the first no. in a series, though. Yeah, I think it is. And basically, it, it's a rather interesting book. It, it, it takes place in a future galaxy or in a future universe where there's a federation of planets. And uh, there's this remote planet way off by itself, and it has about a few thousand inhabitants, and most of them are religious zealots, or they follow religious practices, and they're being invaded by these strange aliens that just kill everyone that they come across. So one of the leaders of the planet, an elder and her acolyte, go to one of the chief, well, first of all, they try to get help from the from the, the government. And apparently the government, the, the, the planetary or the, the, the confederation government, or federation government, doesn't want to be bothered with them. So they go to these this group of ex-Navy pilots. Each of them have a, a different complex relationship with each each other and different backgrounds. The main character is uh, Nano, I think. And the book actually starts out when he's saving this this young guy who's, who's, who's in a yacht and uh, traveling through the upper atmosphere of, of, of one of the, of the gas, gaseous planets. He's almost on a suicide mission, and, and, and I know saves him. But anyway, um, the, 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 the elder and, and, and her acolyte convinced them to go back to the planet to try to fight these aliens. And a good portion of the book has very vivid description of aerial fights between these pilots and these aliens who turn out to be machines. And they're machines that were programmed by an alien civilization millions of years ago to go out and search for inhabitable worlds where they could where they could settle. And apparently they don't realize they don't consider humans they consider humans as as uh, vermin and therefore they go out and kill them. And one of the pilots in that group 
had a, a severe accident many years ago, and he was he was left almost bodiless and just as almost his soul. He has a spade suit, spade suit that when you open it up, there's nothing in it. But he somehow is able to make contact with with these aliens and make them realize Hello, that, Lord, they uh, that what they're doing is killing live intelligent creatures and not and not a vermin. And as I say, there's a lot of action, a lot of fighting, a lot of you know aerial descriptions of how the, the pilots fight against overwhelming odds to try to defeat these aliens. And at the end, I think the aliens realize that these are sentient beings and they should not be killed. So that's basically the, the, the summary of the book. What was the title again? It's called Forsaken Skies. Thanks. And I, and I can play it on the Victor if you want, and it should have, probably have the number. Did you like it, though? Uh, in the beginning, it was a little boring, especially when we were going to the psychological aspects of the personality and keep track of all the, the, this group of pilots. But towards the middle, when, when you got into the real action, it mm -hmm. got exciting. <laughs> That's funny because I, I would have the opposite reaction. I'd probably like the psychological stuff and <laughs> get bored by the aerial fighting. <laughs> yep. Now, where I got that book from, I don't remember. I think it was one of those in Marriott flag. I have several uh, on my Victor Reader that I haven't read yet that she had mentioned, I think, or cited. Okay. Well, this is Alan. I, can, can, can I go next? Sure. sure. I, 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 I'm the new guy. I, I, I'll be honest. I, I don't read a lot of science fiction, uh, uh, but I thought, well, I felt kind of guilty because I felt like I kind of messed up last month's meeting. It turns out I didn't, but I thought, well, I, I want to come and just, you know, kind of, these sound like some smart folks. I want to come and I, I love books of all sorts. So, you know, I'll, I'll find a science fiction book. So here's the approach I took. I knew NPR had done a top 100 list that they, published you know it's been probably a number of years ago science fiction and fantasy books so i thought well i'm gonna i'm gonna find that I had, I had bookmarked it back in the day so i went to that list and started just going down the, the list uh, of trying to find stuff to read well number one on the list was lord of the rings okay well i, I read that a long time ago so i thought well I, i'm not gonna read something i've already read number two was hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy well, I, i've read that too so i thought well Number three was Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. I had never read that, so I thought, okay, I'll I'll pick that one. So that that's how I came up with with the book. And if anybody's interested in the NPR list, I'll be happy to. I can publish it to the to the email list if anybody. Oh can. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, they, I mean, they've got a lot of stuff on there that you know we've all heard of and stuff. I mean, the uh, the Foundation trilogy, I guess, by by Asimov's on there and iRobot or some of the names that are popping to mind and uh uh let's see what else was on there uh 1984 is on there and animal farm by george orwell so there, well, there, there, there's there's several big big names i, I don't know if I, frank herbert better be yeah yeah, yeah dune's, <laughs> dune's in the top five i think yeah so uh, yeah so uh, uh and and i read i read that a long time ago too so so i mean I, I can't say, I mean, Ender's Game was number three. Mm. Uh, I mean, I I enjoyed reading it, but, I, you know, I, I can't at the end of the day say that, it, that it's really going to stick with me. I, you know, it's just, if, if any of y'all read it, uh, I assume since it's so high up on the list, maybe others have read it. 
Yeah, I've read, I've read it. Okay. Ender's Game. Yeah. Is that the, that takes place where there's boys in training? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Months. I mean, so I mean, I, I, I'll summarize. I mean, it, it's about Andrew Ender E N D E R, which I guess is a nickname. Wigan. Uh, he's. I, I'm not really sure when it it takes place in the future. Obviously, uh, I'm not sure about the time period. He. He takes place during a time period where people can't have more than two kids, and th that's frowned upon. But apparently, he's part of a a a, 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 a group. He's got two older siblings that were. I, I I don't know how the kids are being developed, but it's almost like the government has some kind of control in the process because his older siblings had been monitored. You know, they were some kind of device that they're monitoring them. They're, they're trying to develop somebody that'll become this great leader, I guess, to try to lead them out of, uh, uh, they've had some kind of big battle with these, these buggers, some kind of insectoid society that they fought with in the past. So they're trying to, to develop a, you know, a leader that can lead them against this, this, uh, this antagonistic army, supposedly. And Ender is like a third. He's like a, which is unusual because most most families aren't allowed to have more than two kids. And yeah, he turns out he's uh, uh, apparently has the the traits that that they want to develop further to to become this leader. And you know he's uh, he's got compassion and stuff. But if you end up crossing him, he he he'll end up. <laughs> He'll end up taking steps to, uh, you know, some some kid that that he doesn't get along with, kind of attacks him with some some friends. He ends up like kicking the crap out of him and stuff. And I, I guess he ends up killing this guy. So uh, the the powers that be love that, I guess, and they they promote him forward. And, and I, I enjoyed the parts where he's training, and you know, they go through all his training, and he's playing all these games and doing all these. I guess these videos and stuff to to get to be a better leader and stuff. But uh, I, I I guess the part that that the reason I didn't I guess I'm a little bit more like Sherry. I, I like character studies and stuff more than I than I like all the fighting and stuff. And it just it it really didn't spend a lot of time on that. But that was the parts of the book that I did like. You know, he made friends while he was in school and stuff. And uh, 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 you know, and finally he goes to his last his last training thing, which I found real interesting because his last training station is on a planet that's named, uh, uh, Eros, E R O S, who is like, and that's the Greek God of love or something. Uh, but, uh, I, I thought that was kind of interesting that that's where his last training takes place. And he thinks he's fighting a, a game at the, in the end. And, uh, I had a hard time reconciling, how he thinks it's a game, but it's, he's really doing a battle against these insectoid planet. He, and he wipes them all out. And so, uh, uh, but you know, he later finds out the insectoids or the buggers really weren't bad after all. So, uh, tip, it's tip, a series, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It starts a series, which I, uh, yeah. Oh, Ann's here. All right. Hello, Ann. Yeah. So, yeah. It, uh, it was it's through VR. That's how he didn't. They don't tell them that it's a game, or they don't tell them that it's for real. They just taint, treat them as though it is a game. But he does it through his VR, you know. So he well, never knows, even though I, he's I think Carl's trying to combine Navy SEAL training with video game 
expertise. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, right. And I had a hard time reconciling in my mind how he was in a real battle and and and, and still killing people. So I, I wasn't really sure if, if he lost people or not because all of his friends seemed to be there. All his, all his commanders that that he was you know that he met in school that were with him, they all seemed to survive. So I had a hard time reconciling that. But well, what what happens is they have a communication system that's faster than light, but the ships were sent out, you know, decades ago at light speed, and they're fighting battles remotely. So all he sees are blips. He doesn't know there are people inside those ships, or at least I don't think he does. No. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think he, he thought he was playing a game and stuff. He had no idea he was really And the reader playing. doesn't know either. Right, right. You find out afterwards. That was the shock of the book at the end. You don't. Yeah. The reader doesn't know either. Yeah, well, you know, well, at the very end, he's on this he's on this planet that he goes to with his sister Valentine, who is is the you know the, the one person he really loves, and uh, he he finds this 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 egg that's apparently the the the, the queen egg of the, the race that he wiped out. And they were able to read his mind. I guess that's the way the insectoids communicated through 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 mind reading and stuff. And, uh, and and apparently they did. They laid this thing out based on what the images they had seen in his mind. So they ended up ended up leading to this egg, and he's going to like take it forward. I guess to maybe revitalize that planet that he destroyed. It's kind of it's kind of how I. It's kind of what I got from it, but uh, yeah, it, it it was interesting. So, I'm not saying I'm going to read any more in the series, but but it, it, you know I enjoyed reading it. I mean, it was about it was about ten hours long, I think. So it wasn't. Yeah, it's not really long. It's not really long. If you read the sequels, you will find out that he tries to um, rectify his crime against the buggers. But I find it interesting that the way the war really got started was the buggers were some kind of a hive mine and right each individual uh, body was just a minor part of the super body and very expendable so when they encountered humans they just assumed that humans were the same so they grab a few humans to take apart to learn what makes them tick and that touched off a war <laughs> right yeah, yeah exactly in, in, in typical fashion it's like uh a, a, a lot of wars, I think, that are fought is because the people fighting each other have never really taken the time to try to understand each other. But uh, that that was that was more of the same in this case, I guess. But, uh, uh, but Good yeah. evening. Hey, uh, yeah. hey, Anne. Hey. Uh, sorry, I'm a little late, but uh, I'm here. Yeah. That's all that matters. That's what matters, yeah. Yeah, by the way, I was a bit late, too. And the reason is that since I haven't used this uh, software for a month, I forgot how to use it, and I couldn't <laughs> log in until I went to uh, my trash folder to find the link, <laughs> one of the announcements to get in here. Oh, there, you, there you go. Well, you got in though. That's the that's the that's the good thing. So, and once you've been in, if you tab once past the meeting ID button, there's a history button, and it lists the groups you've been in. So you never have to look at an email again. Yep, you won't have to go to your exactly. trash. Yep. Right. Right. 
Well, I so. can go next. I've got a, okay. book, a book that I didn't like first, and then I'll talk more about a book I did like. The one I did not like is called Millennium, and it's by John Varley. I don't remember what about the bard annotation appealed to me, but the two main characters, one male, one female, are in separate, I think separate times even, and eventually I assume they're going to meet up and solve something. But both of them are neither of them are very likable, which is okay in a book. I could tolerate that. And it's also very hard when the author changes perspective. The reader doesn't give you a pause or any indication, and that was a little confusing. But the last straw for me was about an hour in. The one woman has a faceless robot who is apparently a psychologist robot. And the psychologist says the reason he is faceless is because women like to have sex with faceless strangers. And I'm like, give me a break. I'm, I'm like, you know, if he would have said this woman liked it, I would have been fine with that. But to just generalize like that, it's like, eh, that's it. I don't need this. Surely you hit the off button when you came into that line. I I'm did. Like, sure. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, what a generalization. But in any case, so I, I quit reading that. I wouldn't recommend it um, unless somebody's curious to see where he goes with that, which you can maybe then fill the rest of us in. <laughs> the book I did like is called The Firefly Code, and it's by Megan Blakemore. Um, this book was recommended for junior high and high school kids, and I ordinarily would not read that book, but... The plot just sounded interesting. There are kids that live in this utopian village and they live on Firefly Lane and they are um, able to be modified or dampened by their parents, their traits. Like everyone at their, uh, I think it's their 13th birthday, can choose a trait that they want to heighten. Like some people choose problem solving abilities, some people choose sports prowess. And that was kind of interesting. But what happens is a new girl moves into town and she's she just seems different from the other kids and them figuring out what's different about her and them kind of growing up and realizing that this utopia they're in might not be as great as everybody thinks it is and what they do about that. It's sort of, it reminded me of some Ray Bradbury stories. The first line of the book is everyone goes to sleep at the same time on Firefly Lane. And that just reminded me of Garrison Keillor or, or Ray Bradbury. It, it was just very well written. And it really kept my attention. It was very good. The ending, I think some people won't like it because it didn't resolve everything. But the important part of the book was that these kids grew and came into their own. So I would recommend that. I think it's a pretty short read, too. It's a good book, and I think the heroine, Cherry, doesn't the heroine have vision problems? It seems like I remember there was something about her vision. I think she does, yeah, because they decided not to improve that. And you find out in the middle of the book, much to her dismay, that the parents did change something about her and didn't tell her. And uh, that's part of, you know, her having to grow up and realize all is not what it seemed. And it's not like the place turns out to be horrible or anything, but it's just that they learn to be independent and think for themselves and how they come to that was really interesting. Please tell me that the one that had vision problems that they didn't augment her hearing to give her super hearing, right? No, no, they didn't. Okay. Thank no. goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> now, and there's no silly things like her counting blocks in the projects or her feeling anybody's okay. faces right. or okay. no, right. her vision problems aren't a major, well, they're, they're important to her personality, but that's about right. it. Yeah. Okay. That's good. She can still function. She sees. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she probably has better vision than any of us. So, yeah. okay. I would have taken it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good point. Do you want me to go next? Uh, sure. All right, I'll be brief. I read a book called The Warrior's Apprentice by Lois McMaster Bujold. It's the third book in the Miles for Kosigan series, but it's the first one that actually has him. The first two deal with how his parents got together because his parents are from two different planets that were at war. And you learn about that in the first two books. I didn't read those. I don't feel like I've missed anything. What's notable about this series is Miles Rakosigan is not the perfect superhero. He has he was born with birth defects because someone tried to um, kill his parents, and it it while his mother while it, while he was she wasn't actually carrying him. In this series, apparently there are machines that develop children like a, a uterine replicator i think it's called and um but he was he, he actually she was carrying him and they managed to save him put him in one of these uterine replicator machines which had come from that other planet that his father his father was from the planet um what was that planet called i'm not trying to remember but uh the planet vaor maybe and the planet they were fighting I think was possibly beta because it projects a universe where humans are spread out among different planets and each planet is a unique society, very different from any other one. So that, that I think what makes the, the series interesting is it's the world building she does to make a long story short miles has certain hand, hand, uh, physical challenging conditions his bones are brittle the book opens with an with a miles trying to get into the imperial space academy because his planet is run by an emperor it's sort of media it's got science but it's sort of medieval in its governmental structure he can't make it doing that. And in the end, he's invited to visit his aunt, which is his mother's, uh, I think his, you know, his grandmother, his mother's mother lives on the planet Beta, which was a colony that's very techno and very modernist. In this book just shows you some of the adventures he has. He, he ends up um, taking over a crew of mercenaries and he starts his own sort of spy agency that works for his own planet. It's space opera in a way. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't deny it. I just found the way they did the world building to be interesting. McMaster Bujold has written, I think it's over 20 books in this series. Unfortunately, Bard has very few. She's also been known for her fantasy writing. I read one of the books. They're diff very different, but it's kind of fun. You know, it's not one of the science, the very hard SF that makes you think and challenges you the, in that way that Benbova can, but it's fun. And that, so it's, oh, it's DB 91404 if anyone's interested. I like Bejold. Um I met her once. Really? Yeah, I, uh, I went to uh, Moscon in 1989 of all crazy things. And I was there, and she was there, and this was really early in her career when she hadn't written all of her Miles books, maybe one, but uh, she was there because of writing Falling Free, and I really, really enjoy Falling Free. It's one of my absolute favorite the quaddies. books. The Quaddies. Um, 
Yes, the quaddies, exactly. Note her series is, yeah. I don't think all of her series is written in order either. I think she came back and wrote a few things that came before a few others. So I don't think her series is written, is published in its chronological order. You have to be aware of that maybe. I might be wrong, but I think. It could be, yeah. But really nice author and very nice lady. In fact, she gave me for free. I didn't even buy it. She just sent it to me. Um, the uh, recording of Falling Free on uh, on cassettes. Well, they were cassettes back then. So oh, that's nice. <laughs> I still have the cassettes. But uh, yeah, nifty lady. Nice. Well, Anne, since you're uh, have the floor. Do you want to continue on with your book, or? Well, yeah, I I do. Uh, actually, well. I'm. I want to talk about a series, um, and I hope I won't bore you guys. But I have been for the past oh month or so, and maybe even before that, I have been reading or rereading old books. Um, old favorite books and part of that is because I had surgery on the 11th of September and I have been recovering here at home and doing mostly eating and sleeping and and uh, reading audiobooks and I didn't want to read anything that I had to think about so I read uh, Anne McCaffrey's Freedom Series. And I have to say, every time I reread this book, I am continually amazed by her characterizations. And um, I really enjoyed the books because um, the, her main character grew. <laughs> During the se series, um, her, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, as I say, the main character, the ingenue, grew, and um, her partner also grew, um, not only in himself, but in the estimation of the, I guess you'd call them colonists. And I, I just found it to be a really nice series. Um, there's, it's not complicated. It's not, um, you know, it's, it's not thought-provoking at all. Well, it might be. But it does, um, you know, it's a, it's a series of, quote, disaster books because the first book they get dumped on a planet and you know how they survive and what they do and how they use their their um, uh, their resources and so forth um, so I call that a disaster book but um, I was very happy with reading the series and there are four books in the series it's a it's a quadrilogy I don't know if that's a word. Sounds good. Anyway, um, so that's those were my books. Uh, tetralogy. Thank you. Tetralogy, yes. And it's Anne McCaffrey, and it's her Freedom 
series. Oh, and before I forget, um, Marshall, uh, you may already know this, Marshall has said that the final Honor Harrington book has been published. I heard that. He sent me an email, and thank oh, you, Marshall. Oh, he did. oh okay. Yeah. yeah. He announced it here, so. Okay. It's actually okay. out on Audible. Yeah, it's on Audible. Oh, okay. Hey, I'm just going to have to get on Audible, I suppose. Hey, can I jump in here now with mine? Yep. Sure. Okay. I wanted to tell you about a book that I scanned for Bookshare. The title is City Wars. It's by one Dennis Palumbo. It's really a kind of a short book. I can imagine that if it was published in a magazine, it might have been published as a, uh, probably more than a novelette, maybe a novella. But um, anyway, it is kind of a post-apocalyptic novel and a current apocalyptic novel rolled into one because apparently World War III has happened. I don't think they refer to it as World War III, just some kind of a big conflagration that they're kind of vague about. But national governments have been pretty much um, devastated. There are no national governments. And what we have left are, well, plenty of people running around the countryside, but also... Uh, major cities have become city-states and one would think that they would have learned something from this big war that devastated the national governments but no the city-states have to start bickering with each other and launching wars against each other too and it seems that Chicago and New York City get into it with each other and huh. They have, they have atomic bombs, too. <laughs> oh, um, no. Of course, they are very uh, hesitant to actually use a really big nuclear bomb on the other. They would completely destroy the enemy, of course. But I think there's that problem about uh, mutual assured destruction, too. But they have, they firebomb each other, and they send missiles at each other, and... Um, uh, they do use some small tactical nuclear weapons, but the story revolves around a man and a woman from Chicago who are sent on a combat-slash-espionage mission to New York. And actually, it gets a little humorous when they have to pretend that they are New Yorkers so they won't be summarily executed for being from Chicago. But in any case, they get into a, they end up getting romantically involved with each other, and it kind of distracts them from their mission, but they go ahead and try to carry out their mission anyway. But I'm, at the end of the book, there is, I can't say that there is a clear winner between New York and Chicago. Tensions are still very strained between the two cities and of course you have other cities like Los Angeles and Detroit and so on looking on and um, trying to decide what kind of alliances they can make in this conflict and such but again the 
title is City Wars, and it's by Dennis Palumbo. Well, that sounds great. Having lived in Chicago for 35 plus years, I know where my loyalties would be. <laughs> and there is definitely a rivalry there, that's for sure. Did you read, Evan? Did he get booted out or something? Yeah, I don't hear Evan. Evan, are you there? Hello? Apparently not. Actually, I don't see him here. Oh, something must have happened. Yeah, Evan's not in the list anymore. I don't know what happened to him. I well, no, Evan. I guess we can moderate ourselves. Who's up next? That's everybody. Oh, here he's back. He's back now. Did they? Did you get booted out, Evan? Yeah, we were ready to hear your book. How's that? That's good. Now. That's good. Yes. Oh, back. Okay. I'm gonna have to. I might have to mention that to somebody. Um, what I was, did, yeah. What had happened? I muted myself in the participants panel. But then when I went to the main menu, you know, where you have mute in between, uh, over where audio settings, I hit uh, unmute there, but it didn't unmute me. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Anyhow. You, you, uh, you, just, you disappeared off the participants list, too, so. I'll be darned. That that's weird. That's, that's strange. Well, okay. I was just mentioning that, uh, I mean, uh, that New York-Chicago thing sounds kind of like uh, Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Um, that's how they get with their sports teams almost. They almost might be right, each other. Right. So, because uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh and um, now I live not too far from Cleveland. So, so and, my, and Sherry, I don't, don't take this personally, but it sounds like Chicago may be getting ready for, for such things, aren't they? Don't they have a lot, a lot of shootings and gang violence and stuff now <laughs> these days? Maybe, yeah. maybe they're maybe they're gearing up for for, for the to take the battle to the to another city and stuff. So. <laughs> well, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I read a book. I actually I read a few books in the last couple of months, but the most recent one I read was something I saw in Bard not too long ago, and I decided to try it, and I was liked it okay. But uh, it was called the Genius Plague by David Walters, or Walton. I'll have to look that up. I'm sorry. I forgot my author already. Um, it was a techno, it's kind of a science fiction thriller, people called it. So it's not a really, you know, radical, deep kind of book. But it's about um, two brothers. One is a mycologist who studies fungus, and the other one is a guy who um, has dropped out of college a few times, but he's really smart, and he wants to work for the NSA, and he finally gets a job there. So the, you know, we start out with the brother who's a mycologist, and he's in the Brazilian rainforest, and he's collecting his samples and stuff, and he gets back to the town, you know, so he can get back on the river and get back to uh, the U.S. with his samples and, and do his teaching at the University of Maryland or whatever in his lab, and, and he's on a boat, and these people come alongside the boat, and they look like they're military, and they just kill everybody on the boat. Except him and the woman that he met not too long uh, before that when he got back to the town and they jump into the river and escape to the bank and and they're walking through the Amazon rainforest. He's in Brazil and they see these lines in the 
they see these lines in the uh, going through the trees and they follow them. They're little lights. And he doesn't remember a lot about what happened when he gets back to the, when he gets, uh, when he talks to his brother, he doesn't remember, he got sick. Apparently he inhaled some of these fungus spores. And what happens uh, when you inhale them is that uh, you get sick for a little while and then when you get better, you're smarter. Huh. Yeah, you're smarter. And his brother, he gets his job at the NSA and he starts noticing strange things going on in South America where the rainforest is in Brazil and Colombia and, uh, and that region. And also he noticed his brother stopped taking his antifungals because, you know, they said you better take these for a few years because, you know, these things are very hard to get rid of once you get them in, once they get rooted into your lungs. But anyhow, it's people start doing odd things. There are some plots going on in South America. People are being assassinated, presidents and so on. And it turns out that the fungus, uh, in addition to making people smarter, also starts giving them, uh, starts controlling them mentally. Now it doesn't, it's not a sentient being or anything. It doesn't control, the author is very careful about that. He said it's kind of, it's a more sophisticated version, kind of like what fungus do already with like ants, where they make them climb to the top of a flower and they they wait there until the spores come out of them. And so it's like, you know, the the the, the fungus remaps parts of the brain and interfaces with it, like it mimics the brain, uh, the neurons. And so it makes them smarter, but it also directs them in ways that will protect the fungus and not you know, not harm it. So they start uh, killing people who are, you know, like in South America, people are being taken over by this fungus and they start killing leaders who aren't, you know, who are interested in logging and who are interested in, you know, exploiting the rainforest and so on. And then, of course, the guy's brother, Neil, is the guy who works for the NSA and his brother, Paul, he's the mycologist and he's, he, gives this fungus to his their father who's suffering from Alzheimer's disease and that's kind of a poignant you know this guy used to work for the NSA also and he's really brilliant you know but not anymore and he gets really smart and so uh, this is really you know kind of a poignant moment when you know they they kind of get their father back after a few years of losing him and but then he starts acting oddly, and he wants to kill the doctor that's trying to cure him of the fungus and so on. And so eventually um, they get, um, you know, the NSA starts, you know, deciphering. And you hear a lot, you hear quite a bit about, you know, deciphering messages and how the NSA works to a certain extent. Uh, he puts that into the book also. And, um so the uh, the guy uh, um, uh, that's I, I don't not sure how much to say I don't want to spoil it too much but um, eventually the the people who are inhabited by this fungus there they, it spreads throughout uh, you know in many parts of the world in, including America they um, they it masquerades as the smart drug that people take in college and stuff to to make themselves smarter because there's so much pressure now to it get good grades and everything and but they don't know there's a fungus in it you know it's 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 being uh, illegally smuggled into the US by people who are already infected and 
So uh, eventually, the uh, the people who are controlled uh, want to turn the world into a place that's more hospitable to the fungi because you know humans are exploiting the resources and you know tearing things down and polluting the air and everything and they want to uh, so uh, I mean you know it's a thriller you know you can probably guess that eventually things are going to turn out okay but um, the way they combat the fungus though is to create another fungus but what happens is they have a, they, the you know these labs like in Washington you know near you know in, in near Washington these bio labs they wire this fungus up so that when you issue this tone and speak, you know, people will do what you tell them. So now it supersedes the fungus that was there originally. And they, so now this thing is loose in the world. And, you know, at the end of the book, you know, there's questions about, you know, how do you, how are you, what are people going to do with this? How are we going to fight? You know, people are going to abuse it. And so it was pretty interesting. I thought it was a little, you know, I was disappointed because I wanted to hear more about what happens when people get smarter, and I thought well, that would be kind of fun to explore, but it really wasn't about that. It was really more about, you know, fungus taking over the world and stuff. And But it was well done. You'll enjoy it. There's a lot of people doing stuff like this, though. I mean, I don't know, James Rawlins and Michael Palmer and Douglas Preston would have written, could have written a book like this. There's a lot of people doing this kind of thing. I mean, it's sort of science fiction-y, but it's kind of on the border, you know, between science fiction and, you know, techno-thriller and stuff. So, that's called The Genius Plague, David Walters, I believe it was. But I'll make sure it's right for the Newswire, don't worry, if you want to look it up. It's on Bard. It's a commercial audio version. It's very well done. So, uh, that was it. Hello? Is that is that what the folks at the Apple Genius Bar take to uh, to to get smarter and stuff? <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. I, I couldn't resist. That's funny. <laughs> the uh, that uh, that does sound good, but I'm kind of like you, Evan. I I think I'd have liked it better if they'd have gotten more into the. The, the people get developing the smarts and stuff instead of making it uh, uh, just about the play. Yeah, it does talk about that a little bit. Uh, the guy, the guy, his family, you know, infects him. He's trying to protect, you know, but they get taken over, his father and his mother, and they capture him, and and uh, and they see there's some things down in the in the rainforest. They're building, you know, they're they're building a society that doesn't involve. Um, you know, lots of machinery and stuff. It's all organic technology. But, you know, it's all for the service of spreading the fungus, though. But his brother doesn't seem to understand that because, of course, oh, okay. yeah. you know, he's directed. Um, you know, he's controlled for the benefit. So, anyway, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I think a lot of people will enjoy it. Well, it's yeah. interesting that even though they get smarter, they're still controlled. Yeah, because a lot of your, well, right, because you're smarter, but a lot of that smarts comes from the, the, the fungus interfacing with your brain. So right. that intelligence is suborned. It's yeah. not enough to, um, not enough to be make smarter. you break free, yeah. yeah. Right, because while he explains, it's like, you know, it doesn't give you direct commands like a sentient being. It directs your emotions in such a way that you want to protect the fungus, and you 
your intelligence will find a way to do that. If it means killing somebody you don't really want to kill, uh, you're, you're, you know, I mean, it shows what it's like when he's controlled by it. And he, uh, he tries to resist and he, he does almost a little bit, but he can't really resist very well because he's under such a, you know, his emotions are like, oh, how wonderful it feels, you know, knowing that the fungus is going to, you know, he's, uh, he's blissed out when he thinks about, you know, and he, and he feels horrible and disgust when he, when he thinks about trying to uh, defeat it, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So it's emotional control. It's not direct, like, you know, direct commands like that. It's pretty cool. Pretty yeah. cool, though. Yeah. And I understand that the best way to be really smart is to have Asperger's syndrome. So I was thinking it would be good if somebody could write a book about a plague of Asperger's. They could call it the nerd plague or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So yeah, it was it was fun. I um I um I'm reading. Um, I'm doing a couple of books for Bookshare, but I probably will tell you about those next time because um, uh, I, I'm still just starting them. But I'm doing a couple of books for Bookshare. By the way, Anne, I have to write to you. Uh, I have these Vada's War books here for you to proofread when you're ready. Well, I mean, they're not ready for you to proofread, but I'm going to scan them for you. Um, oh, Vada's War. Yeah, the the uh, you remember Elizabeth the, Moon? Moon. Yeah, they're not on Bookshare. You might remember. Well, I didn't remember that. Some of these aren't on Bookshare, so um, I thought you were um, interested in proofing some of them. So I might be. If you uh, want, I might be. All right. I uh, think I think I've gotten beyond the the part. Well, depending on what these next treatments do to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I I will probably be uh, up for proofing, but yeah. We'll be in touch. Okay. And I just wanted to say sorry to hear about your issue. Yeah. Hopefully you'll likewise, likewise. Likewise. Yeah. Well, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I had the surgery, so it's gone, hopefully. And now all I have to do is get rid of the, you know, go through the post Mm -hmm. post-surgical treatments that they want to do so that they're oh, absolutely yeah. sure you it's gone. Really yeah, you sound normal. Yeah. Well, I'm, I seem to be all right, and I went through the ACBNY convention last weekend, so I guess I'm doing okay. I, I, seem, right. I seem to be. Well, this Zoom meeting, I'll tell you, it's gone really well. So, you know, I am really... Uh, I'm looking forward to doing these in the future because it seems like they're really, I, I like the interactivity better than what we had before with everybody having to push the button all the time. And since everybody is, you know, not talking over each other, it's working out really great. Well, yeah, yeah. That, it, it works great when you have a bunch of smart behaved people and it, 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 it's, it's not great when you get a, an AH in a group that doesn't know how to not talk over people, but, uh, but just, just, we, just we don't have idea. any of yeah, yeah. Go, Roger. Just an idea. Um, early on, I started ex examining my settings, and I found a setting for putting myself on mute unless the space bar was held down. So I um, adjusted the setting to keep myself that way, so every time you hear me, I am pressing down the space bar. Oh, I was thinking that that would make things go a lot more smoothly because you wouldn't hear everyone's background noise. But 
things seem to be going fairly smoothly anyway, except I bet you hear my watch. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah we've yep. got your watch. Okay. Talk about timing. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and some host, background noise gets us in. <laughs> and, uh, and hosts can mute anybody or everybody at any time. Right, right. We have powers, Alan and I have powers. Right. So, so, it's crazy because, you know, um, some people just have no concept of muting. Right. So yet, right. you know, yeah. The exactly. wife talking to the husband, you get the wife talking to the kids, you get the dogs barking and the dishwasher going and the, right. you know. Well, yeah, that, that tech talk meeting, we had somebody who was in traffic. It sounded like every once in a while we hear this huge vehicle rolling by. Oh, right. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, I think they were holding their phone up to a rolled down window on the highway. So it yeah, like, it was, it was, <laughs> it was horrible. Loud, though. Yeah, it was horrible. Uh, it just blotted yeah. out everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, 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 Roger, that that's a setting that lets you like be on mute all the time, unless you hold your space bar down. Is that what I understood you to say? Yeah. Yes. I. It's okay. I did that very early on, so I forget exactly how I did it now. But there was a button there that said settings. So I clicked settings and went exploring, and I found that setting, and I thought, yeah, that sounds like something that I really ought to change and keep it that way. So oh, that's cool. So you're on a, you're on the Windows client. Is that what you're using on a Windows computer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, I think I, I saw mean, it in there, but I haven't used it, but it's, it's in the audio settings, isn't it? Or is it I, I forget now it's in some oh, settings. I we'll was just exploring yeah. settings. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. How do you get to settings? If you tab around on the computer, you'll hear All settings. Settings. Open, close participants, panel, eight participants, button, that activate press space, all meeting. Why don't we close the meeting, um, okay. and then we can, uh, because that way when I edit the recording, I'll have a place that I know I can quit. Um, so our next meeting is going to be on Thursday, November 8th at 9 p.m. Eastern time.